Hi there, everyone. In this episode, I wanted to check in with you, my listeners. See how you are doing. How are you coping? I want you to know that I think about you. And I wonder how you are dealing with all of this pain, all of this unrest and uncertainty. Maybe some of you are doing okay. And maybe some of you are not. Since the last episode, I know I've been experiencing waves of emotions. You want to go high? I've felt joy. Hold on. Like when I'm watching my son Leon swinging and singing. Oh, watch out for the watch out for the tree. I love watching my daughter Margot experiment with the world around her. Like recently, she's developed this funny obsession with hats. She'll try and find all the hats in our house and stack every single one of them on her head. Oh, and her laugh. Her laugh is infectious. So at times, I felt happy, really happy. But then the waves crash and I feel sad again, uneasy, and like I'm searching for something, but I'm not quite sure what. So I decided to talk with my husband, Eric, about what I've been thinking and feeling. I've just been feeling pretty down the past couple weeks and very anxious Mm -hmm. and just like I have something in the pit of my stomach and I just feel like I cannot relax yeah how's that coming out well I think that I've been thinking a lot about death lately which I know would seem quite obvious since this podcast (laughs) is you know major topic is death but I just feel like the past couple weeks the scales have sort of tipped and I've been thinking about it a lot more than usual and Mm -hmm. maybe even too much. Well, why is that? Um, I think a lot of different reasons. I think, of course, there's the obvious, which is the pandemic. And I've been thinking a lot lately how we fairly recently surpassed 150,000 people who have died due to COVID just within the United States. And that's just, that's just a huge amount of people. And it's really hard to wrap my mind around that number. And Mm -hmm. it could even be a lot more. And I just feel really sad about that. And I've been thinking a lot about it and how hard it is to grasp that number and almost like when the pandemic first started spreading within the U.S. and just a few people died here and there it was almost easier to imagine the people like you know thinking okay when there was someone who died in Seattle and it was in a nursing home 
I could yeah. almost imagine like that is somebody's mother and someone is grieving. And then it's like as the numbers have increased and now we're into 150,000 people, it's just hard to fathom that number. Yeah, it's staggering. It's staggering. And so I've been trying to continue to read about some of the people who have died just to continue to humanize what is going on because we're we're so lucky you know we have been healthy our family's been healthy our friends we don't know anyone who has gotten the coronavirus well you have a friend but um it just is like how do we continue to realize that these people are dying and they're not just a number they're not just part of a statistic but they're human beings who have family members and friends who are all grieving and so I try and read about people who are dying and what their stories are and what they were like and it's just it's a lot to be taking in and thinking about yeah totally it's like the you know the national debt the number is so huge you hear about it that you just can't you know you just have to turn it into an abstract because it's too big to even contemplate differences or how it's rising. And definitely the same with this. It's like the way you cope is to just think of it as a huge number instead of people because it's overwhelming if you think of it as people. And it just seems like as it drags on, you know, it just becomes even less personal and more like a statistic Mm-hmm. and you know you, you can't let that happen <laughs> you have to keep trying to think of it as people as individuals yeah and so that's why I think it's important to continue to read articles and sometimes it can feel kind of dark but continue to read articles or read about the people who have died because Otherwise, it does just become this very abstract, unfathomable number of people that you just cannot wrap your mind around. And so I think just having that as the backdrop, I mean, the pandemic is the backdrop of our lives, everyone's lives right now. It just sort of amplifies and intensifies every other feeling. So I think I just everything I'm feeling right now is just more intense. And I've been thinking a lot too about, you know, for the last episode, I spent a lot of time working with the conversation that we had with Leon when he was three. And just in case you didn't get a chance to listen to my last episode, the conversation I'm referring to is one where our son Leon who is fortunately a very healthy three-year-old, discovers for the first time that someday, hopefully very far into the future, he will also die. And I realize it's a very different experience and really brings out different emotions listening to that conversation Mm -hmm. than having been in it, than when we're in it with him. Because I think when we were having the conversation with him, I was so focused on listening to him Mm -hmm. and being present and comforting him. And so then when I later listened to it, it just made me realize, which 
this is obvious, but that our children are not invincible, you know, that he's not invincible. And um, we're so lucky because he is healthy and most likely he's going to live into old age. But just the fact that we cannot completely protect him or protect Margot is a terrifying feeling. And so I've just been grappling with that lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It hit me as well that I think for me it was more to serve his emotion and like his discovering in that moment that, uh, you know, that he's going to die someday and sort of just hearing his like natural aversion to that and just like, but I don't want to, you know. And, yeah. Um, and it was sad I felt very emotional listening to it like you don't want to you don't want him to like discover that yet and I can see why a lot of parents sort of try to hide that realization from kids you know and and kind of brush that topic under the rug until they're older um and use a lot of euphemisms uh you know, we've never done that. We've always tried to answer his questions. But in that moment, you can see like, oh, yeah, that's what they're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, you know, intense emotion on the kid's part who realizes something horrible that probably is going to play out in many ways psychologically. Mm-hmm. You know, having that realization. and then just So like, in this time of high anxiety, of like- I find myself thinking a lot about how much to protect my children from the more tragic parts of life, from experiencing intense emotional pain. And I, of course, want to do everything I can to protect them from getting seriously sick, do anything within my power to ensure that they, along with my family and friends, live as long as possible. I basically don't want anyone I love to die, ever. I know that's a bit of magical thinking, and I know that I am so fortunate that for right now, my family is not experiencing any serious illness or major hardship, and so I get to think about these things in more abstract terms. I'm also fully aware that this shield that I attempt to construct around the people I love could crack at any moment. And all I really want to do is be able to protect them completely and protect you and protect my parents and our family and friends and just realizing that we can't and there just are no guarantees. Yeah. I mean, there is a guarantee that eventually all of us will die, all of them will die. I don't like that. I don't like that guarantee. (laughs) Just hopefully not for a long time. So if the only guarantee in life is that we will all one day die, how do we find balance? This is one of those questions that sometimes keeps me up at night. So I think, you know, through all this, like everything that I've been thinking about and how intense all the feelings have been and that being with us being so lucky and so fortunate, just figuring out 
what is the balance between thinking about our mortality, thinking about death, confronting that it is the, as you say, the only guarantee in life. How do we balance that with just living and like the very healthy denial of death that allows us to go on with our day? And sometimes I feel like I don't really strike the right balance. (laughs) Yeah, I think... I don't know what the right balance is, but you definitely worry about that sort of thing more than I do. It's true. I tend to think and worry about my mortality more than a lot of people. But still, how do any of us acknowledge our mortality as truth, but not let death anxiety consume us? What I'm trying to do is take lessons from my son, Leon. But the... The interesting thing is now he'll just be in the middle of playing and then we'll randomly say, Mommy, I don't want to die in a very just like matter of fact tone. And then he'll think about it for a second and then he'll say, but we have to. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like amazing to me how agile his mind is and now he's almost four so he went through this period and I'm sure it's gonna fluctuate and go up and down at different points in his life but he went through this period where the devastation of realizing that we're all mortal and he's mortal but that now he's at this point where he doesn't like it he doesn't like that idea but he accepts it yeah and To me, I look at him and I think, wow, that is so healthy. Like, why I would like to have that (laughs) mindset. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's important. And it probably is setting him up, you know, sort of joking when I said, like, it's going to affect him psychologically. You know, but there is an element of, like, if he's young when he discovers it, and we always talk about it in a frank open way in a realistic way what we believe is the truth about it um you know maybe he'll grow up not fearing it as much as someone else you know who was hidden from as a child but at the same time that allows us to normalize it and say like you know that's just a part of living and and it seems like death is is just a part of living And so maybe part of finding that elusive balance that I'm searching for is about having an agile mind, like a young child's. Accept whatever feelings come up around mortality and try and move forward. Soak up the joyful moments as much as possible. And these questions about balance are coming from me, a healthy, young-ish person who is exploring mortality from a distance, not face to face. So what is it like for someone who does have a terminal diagnosis? For someone whose death is edging much closer than my own? How do they balance thinking about their death with focusing on the time that they have left? These are questions I hope to explore in future episodes.
I'm Alexandra, and this is Six Months or Less. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you've been hearing in this podcast, I would love for you to do me a favor and give a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps spread the word, and it helps others discover the stories of the courageous people that I interview. And until next time, take good care.